0: Thank you for tuning in to The Balanced Creative. Please check out breathingspacecreative.com, where you will find access to all of our episodes, the Nourishing Word blog, our Thrive coaching program, the Rise author care and wellness program, the Forever Writers Club, and all kinds of fabulous tools to help you become a balanced creative. The Balanced Creative Podcast is edited and produced by Mar Tizak. My name is Shalene Knight, and I am founder of Breathing Space Creative Literary Studio, where we focus on building balance in our creative lives through mindset work, clarity, and healthy processes. I'm a writer, entrepreneur, publishing professional, a parent, and a huge lover of laughter, joy, and living my best life. Let's get down to it.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Mar Tizak, and I am the producer and editor of The Balanced Creative. I thought we would do something a little different in this episode. Today, your host, Shaleen Knight, will be our guest. We're going to learn about who she is, how she got here, and what she has to say to anyone trying to leave their 9 to 5. Hello, Shalene, and welcome. Thank you for doing this with me.
0: Yes, I'm so excited.
1: So, as our listeners already know, you're a coach you're an instructor, you've dedicated a whole platform to helping creatives set up their space to sit down and do the work, and you've got book four coming out in a month. That's a lot to talk about. So thank you for being here and letting me interview you.
0: Thank you for the idea. We should put it out there that this was your idea. And when I heard it, I was so excited. I'm like, yes, this is going to be so cool to be on the other side. So I'm very happy. Thank you for the idea, Mar.
1: Yeah, of course. I feel like it's a perfect way to end the year and um, end the season, because season two is about to start, too. Mm -hmm. So in this episode, we're going to talk about what it means to leave the nine to five. Some of our listeners really want that so they can pursue the thing that actually fuels them. But as you know, that's a journey. So let's start at the beginning. When did you have that first realization that you just didn't want to work for others anymore?
0: Mm hmm. You know, when I look back now, it almost feels like it didn't happen. Like (laughs) this other 25 plus years of my life, you know, in terms of working for other people didn't happen. That's how invested I am in working for myself now. But when I look back, oh, my goodness, I had so many different jobs. My very first job was when I was 13 years old, believe it or not. I was selling furniture. I used to work in the Vancouver flea market uh, and I was selling furniture for people. It was so weird. And then I moved up in all these different jobs. I was doing, you know, fast food type things, coffee shops, banks, gyms, all these different jobs. And then eventually uh, I was working for the city at the Vancouver Public Library. Worked there for, I think, eight years. But, you know, as it relates to creative balance, I found it difficult to not only make space to write and create, but to enjoy it. I think that's the main thing is like, even if I could find a pocket of time, it always felt rushed. Like I had 20 minutes. So all I could think about was now I have 19. Now I have 18. Now I have 17. So it never felt like I was fully Mm. in it. And I didn't have any tools. I'm like, how do I write? And how do I go to work? How do I take care of my family? How do I do all these things? I had no idea.
1: Oh, gosh, yeah. (laughs) That countdown, I totally felt that. (laughs) Yeah, it feels like this overwhelming need for space to just breathe. You know, like creating is breathing to us in some ways.
0: Yes.
1: If you are constantly stuck in between different things that you have to be thinking about all the time, that countdown is real for sure. Eventually, you got to a point where it's like something's got to change, right? So what did that change look like for you?
0: Mm-hmm. I think I've always wanted to build things that I knew very early. Like I was always creating like fake workshops and fake courses. And, you know, even when I was younger, I was doing that. But I was too quiet, too nervous to share it with people. So it was always something that I, I held close just for myself. But I knew, I think... You know, I want to say 2017-ish, like right before my second book came out, I started to think, well, you know what? I have a little bit more writing experience. Um, Folks are actually coming to me with craft questions, like folks are asking me to critique samples of their work. I'm like, what if I wrote my own creative writing course? What would that look like? And that was so exciting to me that I actually just did it. Like I was part of a lot of different online creative writing courses. So I thought, okay, well, I can build something like this. But how am I going to make it like, how am I going to put my stamp on it? What is this Mm going to really Mm -hmm. be about? And so for me, it was it started to shift where it was less about the craft of writing and more about how do we care for the creatives who are who are coming into this realm. So I think that was kind of my angle from from day one, but yeah, around six years ago, that's when I really decided. All right, enough of this nine to five nonsense, and that's the phrase I <laughs> I used nine yep. to five nonsense. And I mean, not everyone's gonna see it in that way, but my brain just would not allow me to sit comfortably in that nine to five. It just never worked for me.
1: Yeah, there's definitely um, a bit of a repulsion mm-hmm. for, for a lot of us on on that. <laughs> It's interesting because I'm sure I'm not the only one who's felt like just dropping everything and quitting their job and packing up and moving somewhere remote just to finish the damn book or whatever project you're you're working on. It's hard when you have an idea of what you want, but it feels so far away depending on your situation, depending on Mm -hmm. even if it's like you're not feeling confident enough or you don't know the right people or something like that. So in the meantime, you're just trekking along until that right time to take that leap. And I think that's the hardest part, is acknowledging when to take the leap and when to keep trekking. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, it's like a gut feeling, but what's kept you moving forward until you could take that leap?
0: Mm-hmm. I think this is this is the point where the dreamers are separated from the true like risk-takers. I don't know, but I feel like We all sit inside of different phases of creation. Like, for example, I know I have a friend and she is such a dreamer. She will dream all these beautiful things, but she will never step out of that phase. And so it never really becomes a big reality for her. It's just this thing that she does when she has time, but she's so talented and so good at it. But there's something in her that that stops her from taking, you know, that leap but i also think and maybe i should rewind a bit and say that i think the 9 to 5 job can actually work really well for a lot of people i just knew that i wasn't one of those people like some folks can thrive and create that balance and you know they they like having the stability of having money coming in you know but i've always been a born risk taker where i'm like what if like i'm always asking myself what if and so for me i felt like if I don't put both of my feet in the water, I'm always just going to be wondering. So what's what's the worst that could happen? Sure, I could fail and make no money, but I'm pretty sure I could find another job. You know what I mean? So that was kind of my mindset. I know a lot of people don't think like that, but that's what I was thinking back then. And so just kind of leaping into it really helped me see the possibilities. So it's like when you're in your nine to five and you're, you have a side hustle or you have creative job or whatever and you're dreaming things once you cross out of the dreaming into implementation that's when things get a little bit fun and you can see all these other opportunities because you've essentially jumped over the fence so now you can see what's on the other side of it but i think knowing when to do that that is the hard part and i think it'll be different you know for everyone some folks might say oh i want to make sure i have a good amount of money in my savings I didn't do that. I think I had like $700 or something like that. Um, But, you know, figuring out when it's right for you, but also knowing that there really is no right time. It's just either you're going to do it or you're not. That's what that's what I believe anyway.
1: Yes, I really love that because there's no one way to go about things. And if you're the type of person who learns by doing, then dreaming is only going to get you so far, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think another misconception, too, is that we need to have everything figured out mm-hmm. before we take one step. It only limits the potential of what's coming our way, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we can't know everything that's going to happen. Think back to your vision of breathing space creative when you first started out. Like, the difference of what it is now
0: is just it's wild. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's like night and day, Mar. Night and day. Again, I had no idea really what I was doing back then, I just knew that I had something cool to offer writers. And so I started with a self-paced writing course. I think it was called Learn Writing Essentials. Right. And essentially, that's what the the business name was. It was Learn Writing Essentials. I don't even How did I come up with that? It doesn't even make sense. But um, I was so excited. I built my course. I was really proud of it. I put everything into it. And then I'm like, oh, I sure hope people purchase this, because if not, I'm, I'm kind of screwed. But 12 <laughs> people signed up, and I was just blown away. I was like, okay, if I can sell this to 12 people, they're, they're, you know, there's no limit. I can do so many cool things. But again, that was mostly focused on this idea of the craft of writing and how we can start producing our stories. That's all good and fine. But again, what is my angle and what do I do? What is a tool that I want for myself? For me, that was finding balance and being able to create still work, whatever that work looked like, and also be able to enjoy it. Like, I really Mm -hmm. want to enjoy this instead of rushing through it. Now, at that time, I had no idea what those tools would be, but everything that I built came from a place of necessity. Like, this is something I want for myself. Let me go ahead and work through it, work with other coaches You know, other writers, other creatives, and start to build on all of these tools. And then I can start to refine them and hone them and, you know, shift them into a coaching program or whatever. But it took me a long time to figure out exactly what Breathing Space Creative was going to be. So I made the shift from Learn Writing Essentials to Breathing Space Creative after I worked with a friend of mine and she helped me kind of do some visioning. And figure out what did I really want this business to say and to be you know and Mm -hmm. she helped me with some some branding and things like that but even then we did all that work and I still really didn't have a framework for what the services were that I was going to offer, I just knew that I wanted to help writers and authors, but that wasn't enough. So I did a lot more work, worked with business coaches again, finally built out what my core framework is, which essentially ended up being, you know, build your processes, figure out your health and wellness stuff. And then of course, industry transparency, and then that's broken down into subcategories. And then that filters into every single thing that we do at Breathing Space Creative. So whether you're working with me as an author-editor relationship or working with me through the Thrive Coaching Program or even just having like a one-off creative call or something, we're always looking at that core framework to make sure that we're touching all of those different aspects of creation. So it's kind of cool how it works now where I feel like I've finally fallen into exactly what I was meant to do, which is to help creatives create in a healthier way forever that's it that's what i do when people ask me that's what i that's what i tell them
1: i i like how everything that you offer you have really strong values <laughs> um and like the philosophy of breathing space creative kind of comes through whether it is editing work or publishing work or writing or just coaching and mentoring
0: and <laughs> i think that
1: there's like a consistency there that you have built over the years like it's it's kind of reassuring to see that like yeah where you started was very different from the direction that you're taking things now but like it's kind of expanding it's kind of and it's like you wouldn't allow Mm -hmm. yourself the space to expand if you didn't you know take those those steps or you know kind of just mess around and find out
0: you know (laughs) yeah and make mistakes right yeah (laughs) that's the thing we always beat ourselves up for making mistakes but i was all mistakes and i will say I don't think even though I made a trillion mistakes I don't think I've ever failed nice. because for me failure is not trying mm-hmm. right so for me failure is staying in the dreaming phase and being unwilling to step out of it that's failure to me so I'm always jumping into things and I'll be the first one to be like ooh this is not going to work let me change that <laughs> or ooh this was this is too rough like I need help right So I think if you're going to step out of the nine to five too, be okay with making mistakes, it's not going to be streamlined and perfect right away, whatever it is you decide to to build for yourself. It's taken me like almost six years now, Mm -hmm. and there's still a long way to go, you know, so I think we have to be kind to ourselves. So that's why working on the self becomes so important, because if we don't do that work of you know, expanding on self-trust and forgiveness and all of that, then we're only going to hold ourselves hostage when we make mistakes and when things aren't going as we think they should.
1: That's amazing. It's so funny because I was just going to ask you about how trust played a role in starting the business and carrying it Mm. on or evolving. What does that look more like for you when it comes to trusting your decisions, trusting, you know, what the receiving end's going to be like.
0: <laughs> I think self-trust is something I'm always working on. And I think many of us, when we're just starting out, especially in the creative realm and we start to share our work, we're like, oh gosh, I wonder what that person's going to think. Oh, I'm such a trash writer. I shouldn't do this. The first things out of our mouths are often negative or fear or worry about the other person's response. And for me, I think I learned to let that go early because I have no control over that, really. People are going to think and say whatever they want. So I'm just going to focus on myself. And being able to trust myself took a really long time. Like when I made a mistake, sure, I, I didn't fail, like I said, but I would feel really terrible about it. And I would start to talk down to myself and say, you know what, you need to go apply at Starbucks right now why are you doing this? You shouldn't be writing, blah, blah, blah. And I would stay in that for a really long time until I started to figure out, okay, what tools can I build for myself? What do I need right now? Okay, I need an affirmation or I need a process for reminding myself of all the cool stuff that I've done. So again, my very first tool was simply, okay, go and look at that list you made of all the amazing things that you wrote about yourself. And I'll just go back and revisit that. And that gives me a little bit of spark. I'm like, okay, okay, you know, that's cool. And then I could move forward and do, you know, the next thing. So I think self-trust takes a really, really long time to build up. Um, But it's also attached to so many other things. Again, like forgiving yourself for mistakes, being kind to yourself, you know, just figuring out why you want to do this work to begin with. What is it? What is the reason? I think if we don't know that why, then we're not protecting anything and we're not working towards anything. So I think self-trust for me just started out of necessity, but now it's a practice. Now I'm like, okay, if I said no to something, you know it was for good reason and that I thought it out. I didn't just say no. I trusted my decision-making process because I have a tool for that too.
1: Absolutely. That's so important just to make space for yourself to just try, you know, and, and trust. And I think that's where vulnerability really helps us with that. Mm. Like learning how to be vulnerable in your process is something I think you do really well because you share that with people. And because of that, it's like we're on the journey with you, you know? It's such a good part about the Forever Itis Club because it's like we're all in it together no matter what part of the process you're in. might not even be doing the same kind of medium, but like there's something about just showing up with other people even if you never talk about what you're working on there's just this feeling of like okay not fully alone on it that's that's a nice feeling it's really hard if you don't have people in your immediate circle who aren't writers aren't artists or or anything that just don't understand the need to express in that way
0: <laughs>
1: and i find that community has been such a such a big part of that it's something that like if you don't have a community for that, it you don't realize what you're missing too. Yeah, <laughs> like it, it was until I started joining too that I realized like I would just like verbally process with, with a bunch of my own friends <laughs> about like things that I I was working on and stuff. And it's just like it's not the same as like setting up a space or going to a space where um you know you people are actually doing the work as well alongside you. Yes. But yeah, I I went on a little tangent there. <laughs> I, was I just love it. That's ask,
0: what this is all about.
1: yeah, I guess when it comes to community, too, like how do you hold your community close in times where you might actually need to lean
0: on them as a creative? Mm. I like that question. I would say it's really important to have multiple communities where you have different ways of engaging different ways of contributing, and different things that you're getting from community. Because I think we put pressure on ourselves to get everything we need from mm-hmm. one community, which is pretty much impossible. So I'm part of, I think, six different communities. Now it doesn't mean my whole day is spent in there, but I have these communities almost like insurance, mm-hmm. if, that, if that sounds so dry. But that's what it is, where it's like, okay, you know what? My systems are kind of failing me. Like, I need help with my workflows. One of my automations for onboarding a client didn't work. I'm so alone right now. Oh, okay, let me go into, you know, Crystal Clark's Organize Your Empire community, which I absolutely love. And our focus in there is to work on our systems and Mm. streamline things. So I've got a community for that. And then if I'm like, okay... I'm loving the Forever Writers Club. I love what we're doing in here, but I want to do more. I want to give more to my community. All right, let me go into the Mighty community, which basically is the community space for people who host memberships on their platform. And that's where the Forever Writers Club lives. So if I have any issue or I need ideas, I go to that community and we have really cool workshops, things like that. So again, I'm leaning on the community for a very specific reason. I've got an investment community that's the Wealth Builders uh, with um, Ashley Fox. That's really helpful for folks who want to start putting money away and be able to you know, manage their money mistakes, all of that. So I feel like I've invested in myself by um, being a part of all of these communities, but I also understand what I'm going to get from all of them and how I have something to contribute to each and every one of those communities. So I think it's so important, but you really have to be in tune to what you need from these communities and whether or not they can give it to you. And when is time to leave. Like when people leave the Forever Writers Club, I don't cry. I'm like, you know what, this is just not the right time for them or they're moving on to something else. They can come back, mm-hmm. you know. And so I always think about that. Like community is, is not always meant to be forever. It's meant for a really specific amount of time, and sometimes we either outgrow a community or the community outgrows us, whatever, or our needs change, right? So we just have to be okay with with a lot of that, and I like being in community with people who understand that and who don't make you feel terrible if you have to step away for a while.
1: Yeah, that's so true. Like, one community can't give you everything that you need, Mm-hmm. <laughs> When it comes to speaking up in these communities or uh, sharing your work, sharing what you want to say, what's something that helps you kind of check in with yourself so that you can speak up and share your projects or anything? I'm thinking about the creatives who are just kind of starting out and they, you know, maybe they want to try a slam poetry night or, um, ah. you know, like people who, who, you know, they've been kind of in the background and they're, they're, they're trying to submit their work. They're trying to, uh, you know, step into the spotlight a little bit, put
0: themselves out there. What would you say about leaning into that? Yeah, I think when you're just starting out, there's there's an opportunity for you to do so many amazing things and just feel all these different feelings based on the experience. But then there's also an opportunity for you to be uncomfortable and to feel, you know, not so good in some of these spaces because this is their first time you've done it. So the first thing I always tell people is write out your why. Why Mm -hmm. do you want to do this specific activity? Why do you want to submit to this particular journal? Why do you want to partake in this specific slam poetry event? What is your why? What do you want from it? And I use that pretty much for for everything that I do, because without that why, there's no emotional investment in that action. So if you show up, you do this event, you have a terrible time, chances are you're never going to want to do that kind of an event again. But if you have that why, you're, you're going to be able to lean on that um, and say, you know what, I wanted to do this because, so let me just try a different venue or let me try a different you know, format or whatever it is. So I think when you have a why and things don't go well, it almost gives you, I guess, a prompt to reflect on so that you can figure out what didn't go so well and why. And then, of course, you can just kind of pivot and find a new way around that. Because I know many writers who've had not so good workshop experiences where they were like very critical. It was very tense and formal. I can't stand stuff like that. So I know if my intention going in is, I want to listen. I want to listen and I want to learn something new. Sometimes that is how general my intentions are when I'm going into things. And if I'm going into a space where that is not even possible, it's not possible to listen. Uh-oh. then I already know this is not the space for me. And whatever happens, I'm not going to take it personal because I just know it's just the space and it's not me. So again, just giving ourselves a little bit of a rubric almost when we're going into things. And to have some, some realistic expectations. Like when you're new at something, you're going to slip up. You're going to be nervous. You know, things are going to happen. Don't worry. You, you're going to have an opportunity to try it again.
1: I love that. I mean, there's opportunities everywhere all the time. Yeah, i been there. I actually had a question that kind of went on a tangent from this. What advice do you have for folks who feel that time pressure
0: to be successful? Oh, time pressure. I would say first, figure out what successful looks like to you. Because I'm just blown away by the fact that we don't do that initial work. So if you don't do that, then what are you doing? You're comparing your successfulness to people around you who don't Mm -hmm. have the same, you know, life, they don't have the same criteria. Like, Figure out what successful really looks like to you and be specific. And then you have something to measure yourself against. You have a way to self-evaluate because somebody is not going to randomly phone you and say, okay, the time has come. You are successful. Like, oh, okay, great. No, how are you going to know whether you're there yet if you haven't built that rubric for yourself? And it could be simple. Maybe you have five bullet points down. And that's how you're gonna gauge whether or not you're successful. It's gonna look different for everyone because some people measure their success based on money, which I don't do that. I base my success on, and it's very specific for the project. If it's just general business, success for me looks like being able to wake up every morning and not worry about money and not worry about you know my schedule. I have lots to do, but I'm not worried mm-hmm. about it. So success for me looks like ease you know, and alignment, that's success to me. But for my book projects, even, I'll have a very specific action that I want my book to do. And it's different for every book. And that's how I'm gauging my my success level is, am I meeting that? Is this book doing what I wanted it to do? And it has nothing to do with book sales. Sometimes I don't even know how many books that I sell. I don't know, (laughs) probably not that many when I look at my royalty statement. But I'm thinking about the people who are holding this book and the conversations I'm having all across Canada about this book. That is powerful to me, and I'm able to check these things off and say, I did it, I did it, I did it. Now I can make a new list, a bigger, bolder list of successful things that I can, you know, celebrate too. So I just say, figure out what that looks like first. And it's a lot of work to figure that out, but define it for yourself 100%. Yeah,
1: definitely. It it starts in the body too, right? Like, you Mm -hmm. you can feel what it is that you want from the work that you're doing as well. Whether it's the next book or if it's another type of project, you know, it's, it's a part of you that you're, you're yeah. kind of tapping into as well. And I think, like, meeting, like, the idea of whatever successful means to people with that kind of honesty and that kind of, like, curiosity that you're talking about, I think that that definitely goes a longer way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so I've got to ask, since you wear so many hats, how do you know when to take one off and put the other on? What's what's that like for you?
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's almost a, a natural thing. Like, it's kind of just ingrained. And I wonder. I started to think about this last week, actually, when I was moving all my hats around. I'm like, oh, you know what? I think this has something to do with being a single parent. Like, you know, when you're a single parent, you have to be mom- you have to be dad. You have to be chauffeur. You have to be all these. You have to be cook. You have to be maid. You have to. Be, you have <laughs> to be counselor. You have to be fireman. Like you have to be all these different things, and you have to know when to take off one hat and put on another. So I feel like because I've done that, it was only natural for me to carry that into my uh, into my work. But I also know that I write in the same way where I wanna do poetry and then I've had it with that. So let me go ahead and try memoir. Okay, that was cool. What about fiction? What about narrative nonfiction? What about this, that, and the other? So I move through these different things and it's not because I can't stick to one thing, it's because I see how they all connect, right? Mm. So as a single parent, I saw how all those hats connected. And as a creative, I see how all the genres inform one another. So having a foundation, of poetry under me, it makes me feel like I can write anything because if you can master poetry and understand how to play with language in these ways, there is no form of writing that you can't take on, right? So that mindset gets me thinking about work and I'm like, okay, well, I can be an author, but why can't I be an editor? Let me learn a little bit more about this role. And the more I learn, the deeper I get, the more possibilities open up for me where I'm like, I like being an editor. But I know that I don't want to be an editor inside of a publishing house because I learned that their roles are actually quite different. Right. So all these different things that they do that aren't actually editing, I'm like, ah, oh, that's that's too much for me. Let me try something else. So I'm always trying all of these different things and learning from it and essentially learning a lot about myself. Like when I was working as an agent, I did that for three years. And the role, I think, is one of the most unique positions in publishing because essentially you have to have that entrepreneurial mindset like you got to be able to manage yourself you need to be you need to be able to do that which I had but it was so unique in that it was one of the few jobs that I think takes maybe three maybe four years to figure out like when you're just starting out of course you're not going to have a huge client list you might have one client you might be working with other agents But as you start to add clients and you start to learn what the role actually entails, then you really see what it's like to be a full on agent. Right. And I think the job for me was so exciting. It was so fun. And dare I say, I think I was pretty good at it, but there was one aspect of it or maybe two aspects of it that I think just weren't aligning for me. And the first one being, you know, my personality is very introverted in that I I feel like I need a lot of time to process certain things, like, so I'll never be good at pitching someone on the spot, like, forget about it, I'm gonna have, let me look at my notes, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So that aspect was a little hard for me. And then, of course, this, this idea that you have to, you know, be available all the time, because things are always happening, you got to drop what you're doing, have a meeting, That might work really well for some people, but it didn't work well for me. And when I realized that, I was like, oh, okay. So this was a really cool hat to wear. I absolutely loved it. And then I went back to my why, which Mm -hmm. I always do. I said, Shaleen, why did you want to be an agent? And I said, because I wanted to work closely with authors and I wanted to help them and support them and help them build creative careers. That's what agents do. And I said, well, is there another way? I can do that where I can, you know, stick to my time blocks and be able to manage my my week uh, in a different way. And that's where the coaching program really started to amp up. I'm like, I can do all of those things, but I can do it in a way that makes sense for me as a human being so that I can do it long term. Again, I could stay agenting and continue doing that, but I know long term I would be a different Shalene. And that just didn't sit well with me either. So it's interesting how all these different hats kind of led me through this journey to figure out, well, what do I really want to do? What do I do well? And what is my why? And all those those three things together kind of led me to just putting all of my heart and soul into Breathing Space Creative.
1: That's the best way to do it because you're just taking everything that you love from different areas that you've been in already and you're just creating your own little world with it. It's like a little recipe. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, speaking of book projects too, I mean, you've got one coming out next month. (laughs) Do you want to talk about it?
0: Sure. I would love to talk about it. So I've got a book coming out with HarperCollins Canada called Let It Go. This makes me so happy because it's a book of narrative nonfiction where I am using the seasons as a guide from my own, you know, self-reflective work. So I'm looking at all these things, you know, that have happened in my life, but I'm trying to find a way to let a lot of these things go. And I'm kind of putting this together in this almost cyclical way of, of doing this work so that we're looking at thinking differently about money or we're trying to let go of some really painful experiences, figuring out what that looks like for us in each season. So I know how I'm very, very different as a human being in summer versus the winter. In the winter, I am very, very much hibernating, just like the bears. I don't want anyone around me. I'm doing my own thing. So knowing that about myself, what kind of reflective work is safe for me to do? I have to do the kind of work that doesn't require a lot of support from community. I save that for the summer when i'm out there and i'm a little bit less introverted you know so i'm really paying attention to who i am as a person how i can let go of certain things how i can unlearn a lot of the narratives that i've carried throughout my life that no longer work for me so it's a really cool book and it's very different from anything that i've written which was really super duper fun i think folks are going to are really going to like it because it essentially feels like me it's almost like you're just talking to me, like on the podcast, talking to Shaleen. That's what this book feels like. And I'm excited about the timing because this is going to be book number four for me. And um, I feel like books one, two, three, these books were an opportunity for me to just keep exploring something and doing something different. And now I feel like I'm at home with this book, if that makes any Mm. sense at all. It feels like it took all those books to bring me home which is kind of weird, but that's what it feels like.
1: It sounds like a great book, honestly. I just know it's going to have a lot of tools and thoughtful reflections for the audience to take away from it. <laughs> it's coming out in January 2024. I'll drop the link in our show notes so listeners know where to find it. Yes. I'm, I'm really looking forward to
0: it. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you so much for letting me interview you today,
0: Shalene This was a fun way of finishing off Season 1 of The Balanced Creative. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you so much for doing this and for spending so much time on a beautiful sunny day, so I appreciate it.
1: Yes, of course. That was really fun. All right, listeners, stay tuned for next month when we release Season 2. We'll have double the questions, which means more content dedicated to helping you become the Balanced Creative. Don't forget, mindset is everything.